Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello everybody, welcome to the latest edition of the Royal Poo Podcast. My name is Joe Thomas, I am the Echoes Everton FC correspondent. Alongside me today we've got regular contributor Gav Buckland and we pulled someone in from news, Dan Hagar, for his pod debut. I tell you what, over the time I've been at the Echo, we had a lot of time people shouting red Echo shouts. Yeah. You'd be amazed how many blues there are in the office, so we've got another one here today. Dan, how are you doing? Welcome to the show. Thank you, Joe. All good, yeah? How are you? <laughs> yeah, very very good. Cheers. It's been benefited to beat Fulham. Yeah. This is my first podcast since then. We'll, we'll start there. I know there was a podcast in the immediate aftermath of that, but we will just round off on that just to see, now that the dust has settled a little bit, just where your thoughts lie. Dan, you were, you were there the other day. I mean... Do you feel any less disappointed and deflated now? Not really, no. It's um, still stinging, I think. Mm. It felt like a real opportunity missed. And to have be at match point, essentially, with the Anana penalty and for him to take it like that does hurt, yeah, for sure. I don't think we were very good in the 90 minutes, but neither were Fulham. And we were one kick away from a semi-final, which is tough to let go, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I completely get that. Gav, do you, again, obviously, I know that there'll be an initial feeling of disappointment. Are you more on the lines now of, actually, this is a very stretched squad that didn't look for a long time like it was going to get into that game, wasn't playing very well, but somehow found a way to take it to penalties? Or are you still massive missed opportunity, can't believe it, and you're you fuming? First of all, I like Dan's tennis analogy. I, that was my thought, exactly. It's like yeah. saving a double fault on match point, wasn't it, on Arna's penalty? Uh, no, I'm disappointed. I, I thought uh, Dice got his team selection wrong. I would have had one more attacker on the pitch. Really? Yeah, I think I always like to see four attackers, you know, or four offensive players. And for a, a one-off cup tie at home, and it's got to be settled in 90 minutes, and you're playing a Fulham team, and let's face it, just wanted to, to contain Everton, I would have had um, probably Dan Gieman on the pitch from the start yeah. and drop one of the three central midfielders. Um, and on the consequence of that, I thought it was an opportunity missed from the selection-wise. At, at, the, at the same time, um, we didn't get beat, did we? We've, we've kept statistically, we've kept our unbeaten run or whatever you call it going. And yeah, it, it, and it points to what we've said many times as well. The the and it's relevant to tomorrow, isn't it? The the team looked very tired, didn't he? Mm-hmm. It looked like a lot of players who've played. I mean, if you have things since Calvert Lewin and Branthway came into the team, probably September, late September, we've um, we've pretty much had the same team since then. And in the modern Premier League, if you got, you can't afford to have that, can you? At some point, it's going to catch up with you. And that was my thoughts after the game. And, of course, relevant to the conversation about Spurs for tomorrow. I think one of the frustrating things as well is obviously that's the third time that Fulham have left Goodison Park happy in 2023. Clearly got the wall over Everton and, and Sean Dyche as well. I think really one thing we've learned is Everton just don't have a, a way in their squad of dealing with William. You know, it was he, he yeah. tore Ben Godfrey apart at right back. Obviously, again that was makeshift, and again he was he was effective. He was effective on on Tuesday, wasn't he? Yeah, possibly would have played James Garner out wide yeah. right instead. And you know, I like Jack Harrison that number ten role, perhaps I don't know. But it was just um, 
it was just it was just a, an opportunity wasted. I love William. I said during the game that if you had the Premier League all time under eight to eleven, William and get in it for me. <laughs> Um, and and I'd include the goal at Anfield in, in that selection probably but yeah yeah, and he, he's caused us all well that whole Fulham left side has caused us mm. problems in all three Anthony three Robinson games. Anthony Robinson yeah academy player yeah and he was I thought he was good on uh, on Tuesday again and, and we, we have struggled uh this calendar year in all three games with, with that, that Fulham left hand side and that was that was the same again I thought uh, in parts on, on Tuesday and that's where they got the goal from didn't they really I'm not going to touch on the Amadou Inada penalty I think that's probably been well discussed and you know, everyone has their thoughts on that but one thing I tweeted after the game was because I thought it deserved a bit of recognition was Michael Keane stepping up and taking the third penalty and scoring the way he did and the reason I thought it was so impressive was the thing with Michael Keane is when you, especially when you look at the last two, two and a half years of his Everton career, so often he, I don't think it'd be quite right to say he's a scapegoat, but when things have gone wrong, he's often been at the centre of them. And to have had that history at Everton and then to step up and take a penalty in that situation and to be one of the most crucial penalties as well, that third one, knowing that more often than not things tend to work out against you, the storyline ends up with you as the, as, as the antagonist. I thought that took a bit of bravery. I got quite, a, I got a lot of support for it, but I also got a lot of stick for it. And I think one thing that I think I probably liked, you can't have a sensible argument, a conversation on Twitter, but I think you can separate somebody's heart and their bravery and their courage from their ability as a football player. Uh, and I, I thought that was very good. Good from Keane. Keane be anywhere near your side this weekend, Dan? We'll move on to Spurs. I thought he was okay mm. uh, on Tuesday. It's not uh, his fault for the own goal, really. No, I know. thought he was unlucky with that. Um, couldn't really see it. There was a main stand pillar in a way, <laughs> but from what I could tell, couldn't really see it. But yeah, really brave. Great penalty. Um, he, he's, he's shown he can strike a ball very mm. well. Um, I'm still convinced he might actually be a striker because <laughs> chaos does seem to follow him a bit and you'd rather that in an opposition box than your own. But... Um, yeah, I would. I probably would keep the back line the same. Would you? I think so. I think they. They. I don't think Fulham actually created that much. Though I didn't feel much for Pickford to do. Um, I'm not sure about Branthwaite as a on the left side. Mm-hmm. I think he lacked a bit of composure at times when he was trying to dink the ball in. But I'm not sure I would change them to be honest. And Keane probably does stay in for now for me. Yeah, what's what's really interesting? Obviously, we heard from Sean Dyche yesterday. We recorded this on Friday. I was there at Finch Farm. Yesterday, I mean, Vitaly Mikalenko looks like he's back in, okay. in with a chance of playing. So I think if he is in, if, if there is a chance, you play Vitaly Mikalenko. He's been brilliant this yeah. season, hasn't he? But then also, you know, if he's fifty percent fit with the game coming up, you also probably say pull him back, don't you? We know that Abdullah Corey is not going to be involved. Ashley Young, Seamus Coleman looks a little bit too early for them. One good thing, uh, I can say this now, was under embargo, but I've already written the story and it's already out there, and that is that Andre Gomez is on the cusp of, of a return. So he's in contention for the squad uh, to go down to Spurs. I don't think he's quite ready, certainly not ready to start. And I think when you look at the reluctance that Sean Dyche has to make substitutes when he doesn't think they're definitely going to benefit the team, probably a while before he gets onto the pitch. But he played the last three games in the 21s. He completed 90 minutes on Tuesday. Probably the story that we all missed because everybody was concentrating, understandably, uh, on the Carabao Cup. But against Feyenoord for the under-21s, he played 90 minutes. And that was a big milestone for Deitch. He wanted him to have 90 minutes under his belt before he could then step up the next bit. So he's in contention to travel. Uh, and Deitch says he, he may well be in the squad. Dan, I think that's probably 
that's definitely a, a good news for Everton. I think it's probably better news for January when we look towards Idrissa Gay going to the African Cup of Nations, probably than rather this, this little clutch of fixtures now. But it's a small squad. We've already said it's starting to look stretched. Anybody coming back to fitness is a boost, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. As we've said, they looked sort of done on Tuesday when the penalties came around. They all looked absolutely shattered. So the more options we have, the better, really. Um Gomez, he was in France last year, wasn't he? Yeah. And you wonder how long it would take him to readapt back to Premier League football if he was back in the squad because he was never that dynamic a centre midfielder, really, even at his best before the injury, the leg, the leg break. Um, but, yeah, this squad is, is really small. And if we are going to keep up this league form, you're going to need options, especially when Adrissa goes away for the Africa Cup of Nations. So it can only be a good thing because I don't know how you'll probably know more than me sort of the scope we have for January and bringing new players in because if we don't second half of the season could could prove a bit of a struggle I think mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah I think I mean Dyge was asked about January and he was very non-committal and, and basically gave the impression that he didn't know what the situation was for January now he says that publicly I'm sure privately he's got a very good idea of, of, of what the the situation will be obviously there's a lot of uncertainty around Everton off the pitch still remains because the takeover process the prospective takeovers is still going through the regulatory process but I think it's relatively safe to say there isn't going to be a huge amount of money spent because even if 777 were to get approval one thing that they haven't shown over the, the history of their grown portfolio of clubs is once they get in at a club they don't tend to spend a lot of money on transfers perhaps you know, they, they address operating costs but not you know, going in and, and spending lots of money. I think that you have know, said it a lot of times here on the pod, but I think the main aim for this season, especially now that they've wiped out that point deduction, already built a seven-point cushion to, to the bottom three, is very much a case of trying to secure Premier League football as soon as possible to give Kevin Fowler as big a head start as he possibly can on the summer because there's going to be a huge amount of turnover within that Everton squad. Probably represents Fowler's first opportunity to shape it in his own image after like a couple of difficult transfer windows of taking the fees where they've come in, getting big wages off the books, obviously dealing with the legacy of the Mashiri contracts a few more of them disappear off the books this summer and I think that you know, Fowler will start to take it away from the Frankenstein machinery manager squad that we've seen for, for so long and perhaps start to create a proper identity. Gav, this Spurs game, this doubleheader probably comes at a bit of a bad time, do you think, just in the sense that there, there's a potential here for the... I mean, Evans' form has been phenomenal and they've, all, they've, they've done so much in the past five or six weeks to give themselves the benefit of the cushion for when the injuries and suspensions began to bite, which we all, all always knew they would do, given the strength of this squad. So whilst these aren't free hits, they have taken the pressure off two very difficult fixtures. But given the nature of the squad and the time, and these have the potential to be two unforgiving fixtures, I think. I think we found that Spurs, the last five, ten years, it's just an unforgiven fixture, whatever, whatever team you put out there. What I would say, I think the fixtures will work well for us. We're saying the players are tired now. I'd rather have done it this way than played Spurs and Man City in the start of December, then go uh, into a, a crucial, points, crucial yeah. run of games around Christmas time against some of the clubs expected to win. And we find our some of our characteristics characteristics neutralised because we're tired so I think we, we've the fixes have worked quite well not ideal having seven or eight games in a, in a month um, but I think it, it's worked well for us and with that respect regarding the games themselves I'm, I'm veering towards free hit territory to be honest <laughs> with you um, I think um, 
if we get anything for the next two games, I will be absolutely delighted. Because at the start of December, when he saw the fixes, we've had several conversations on this pod, haven't we, Joe? Around, he thought, we've got a thin squad. It's going to be difficult. A few tough home games, a couple of tough away matches. And I was thinking, if we get like sort of seven points in those seven games, I'll be absolutely delighted to point a game. And we've got 12 from four. So as far as I'm concerned, we're five, we're five under par in golfing. You've gone from tennis to golf now, haven't you? <laughs> a golfing parlance for five under par. Um, to be honest with you, in terms of our points tally for this month. So anything we get in the next two two games, I think will be uh, very well received. I think what I'm looking forward to tomorrow is just to see that we've shown ourselves capable of bouncing back from the, the Fulham defeat. That you'd, you wouldn't want us to be... You know, fitness-wise, okay, but mentally we we suffered a little bit mm. because of the because of the nature of the defeat. I think that would be important. But I'm veering towards a two-free hit uh, games, but at the same time, I still think it's something certainly. I know City aren't pulling up any trees at the moment, nope. and they're, they're in whatever they are at the moment playing world club football. Um, that is maybe a, a more easier game than normal. Does make it easier, of course. So yeah. Um, Free hits for me, but I still think we can get something. Yeah, well, Spurs will be an interesting one. And, and really, yeah. Evan should have got something at Spurs last season. I remember going down there, the, the, the grim week under Lampard, and obviously things got a hell of a lot grimmer later on the season. But I think me, myself and Chris travelled to, and obviously a lot of fans who, 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 who paid their hard-earned money to do this, travelled up to Newcastle in midweek, then down to Spurs and didn't see a single shot on target across 180 minutes. And it was just that that kind of, that, that, that moment when you were like, I mean, Dominic Alvaloon was in and around the squad at that point, but he clearly wasn't firing. Obviously, he'd been injured at the start of the season. And you're just like, Everton without a plan B is, 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 a, is a worrying prospect here. But having said that, what they did do when they went down to Spurs, obviously under a different manager at the time was, yeah, they had two one-on-ones in the first half. Amadou Anana's in particular. I remember he fired over the bar, and really, you, you kind of thought that if Everton Everton had a great chance against them for that game, it was only really a bit of Harry Kane histrionics with Jordan Pickford and a few tactical tweets, and the the, the change that game against Everton. There's an opportunity there, I think, tomorrow. Um, Dan, one thing that's going to be interesting, obviously, this is Everton's first glimpse of of Ange Ball with Tottenham. They have actually had a relatively recent glimpse of it because when Everton went out just over 12 months ago to Australia, they played Ange Postacoglu's Celtic side, drew 0-0 with them, beat them on penalties in the the Sydney Super Cup. Obviously, very, very different beasts and Everton themselves are a very different beast, a different personnel. Fortunately, that's what I said. I was there and got to see and and speak with Ange after the game. But it's going to be a different proposition for for Everton. We've spoken about the stretch nature of the squad. You've got Dominic Calvert-Lewin there, who I think... I don't think, again, we, we discussed it relatively recently, his priority in that team, he can be successful in that team without scoring goals. And you know, by, by being that focal point that allows other players to score goals around him and create chances, then he, he can have success. So he shouldn't just be judged on goals. He's had this longest run of, of games and form for a couple of years. Probably one of those players that starts to just look a little bit leggy for completely understandable reasons. With Spurs playing such a high back line, typically as well, would you be tempted for a couple of reasons to start with Beto? I'd always be very hesitant about dropping, not dropping or not starting Dominic, Mm. because I just think it's been so apparent for so long 
what we miss when he doesn't play. Mm-hmm. Granted, that was mainly found in a time when we didn't have Beto, who is a far better replacement than we've had in the past. But um, I don't know. I'm not sure I would. I thought against Fulham, he didn't really have much to work with, but he worked quite hard. Mm-hmm. And I agree with you completely that he doesn't have to be prolific to provide a lot to the seven team. It'd be great if he started scoring again. He doesn't look quite sharp with his finishing at the moment. Something doesn't look quite right. Beto obviously came on and scored a goal and raised the roof. He does have that, but Beto to me feels very much like an impact sub. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how much he's doing from the start that Cavaloon wouldn't. Um, so I don't know. I get that Dominic looks looks tired. Um, and you, with his um, fitness history, you always want to be very careful with him. I'm not sure I would no. not start him, though. I feel if there's a chance of getting something from Tottenham, because they've had a very good season, but they do have their weaknesses, mm-hmm. um, I'd probably play him, maybe rest him against City. What do you think, Gal? I mean, would you? is there a case to say that Everton would... Is there an under, would it be understandable that everyone was to go actually we'll target the City game here as opposed to the Spurs game and regardless of what your thoughts on that if you were going to rest Dominic Cavalier for one of them which ones would you do? I'd rest him for tomorrow because mm-hmm. I think he looks shattered on uh, on Tuesday and he's I get, I get the sort of you don't judge Calvert-Lewin by his goals to say and it's what he does for the team and that selfless striking role but ultimately, strikers want to score goals, don't they? <coughs> you know that's what they're there for. Oh, yeah. You know they want to score goals. I, I, I would pity a striker who's who just thinks that I'm just going to go out there and run around a bit for the sake of the team, and I'm happy with that role. Mm. You, you want to score goals. That's why you know it's like defenders making tackles and goalkeepers making saves, isn't it? That's your that's your raison d'être, isn't it? Um, and I mean, Deitch's Premier League history is one of the selfless strikers. Yeah. You look at the, you know, the Ashley Barnes, the Chris Wood, the kind of the eight, nine goal a season striker that brings other players into it. Yeah, I, I get that. But Cavaloon's had a, a number of managers mm. before those, those strikers, hasn't he? Where, where it's, it's been slightly different. Um, ultimately, and I know players want to win and stuff, but as a striker, you, do, you have a selfish attitude, don't you? I think. And I wonder sometimes in that role whether mentally you just become drained because I would like to score or even to get a chance and as it as it happens all the chances have been going to decor I haven't mm. in uh, mostly and I, I think that that's that's my concern with Carver Lewin in that role um, and I, I would play Beto I think Beto is similar but different if you know what I mean so like Ange plays a you can call them Ange can't he I mean when he calls them Ange do you? Uh, he plays high line doesn't he and well better. you can because you're mates of him well, so. yeah I wish he was yeah yeah. Uh, he'd be good for to go for a pint <laughs> with wouldn't he I think Ange sit down and sit down in the pub with them and talk talk lots of stuff um, but he plays a high line doesn't he and Beto when he has played I think he's shown himself far more capable than Calvert-Lewin of getting him round the back of defenders that he's more naturally hangs off the the, the, the shoulder and, but he's dated a it was a forest. Was a forest. He, did, he, did a forest. he was very. He was very good before Forest. His, yeah. his first start before then, uh, or his last start before then, was, was Brentford. Yeah, uh, which was the game that Calvert-Lewin came back in and scored, and that took Beto out the side. Beto was very good from the start in that. Again, team kind of played a relatively high back line, and what he did was he he 
obviously a lot and this is probably the same with Dominic Cavalier a lot of the success rests on having decor around him so that if you are there to challenge for the you know, the balls in the air and the second balls a lot of things are then bouncing to decor he's running on to them which is obviously a problem that Everton have mm. without decor decor is so essential to that team and the way it links defence from attack um, but that that Brentford game he started and it was very good and then obviously the Forest one yeah. he had that chance in the first half yeah. which he he should have scored he did, and luckily he was able to put that behind him pretty soon after. Yeah, it was a burning last week. He got in behind, didn't he, mm. when he came on a sub? I think he's far more capable than Calvert-Lewin of doing that. And against Angie, plays, as we saw even against Chelsea when they were down to nine men, likes to play a mm. high line. And I just think his game just might be more slight, slightly suited than, than Calvert-Lewin for playing against Spurs and throwing the mix that Calvert-Lewin is um, struggling a little bit and could do with a week off. Appoints me for playing better on Saturday. I mean, ideally, then if you played better on whenever you play Wednesday, City, that, that's probably good news. Probably means you've got a result and he's played well. <laughs> um, but all things being equal, I played better on Saturday, take it from there and, and keep Carver Lewin for the Man City game, which I think could be a very interesting, yeah. interesting game. Interested what Dice's tactics are and will be in the City game, by the way. But um, well, City game is quite interesting as well. Yeah, yeah. They, 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 they got outplayed by City in the same fixture last season, 3-0, you know, as Everton were kind of heading towards the relegation battle, well, in, the, in the frozen relegation battle. They didn't actually play that badly, did they? They were just done by a side that was just much better than them, which, yeah, that's not necessarily a good thing. Obviously, you know, one thing that Deitch has shown is, is he's quite good at levelling the playing fields, but, you know, it wasn't the worst game in the world, was it? No, no, we got undone by Gundahan, didn't yeah, we, as much as anything else. And he's not there at the moment, and they're coming back, as I say, from time away. They could, in theory, be 12 points behind Arsenal, couldn't they, on Good their day. on Wednesday? If Arsenal win their, their two games, um, I'd be with a couple of games in hand. So I think it'd be a different city that we'd be playing on Wednesday for lots of different reasons. And it's a, it's a little bit more of a game that we can get something from, perhaps, than the previous four or five visits under, under Pep. I'm just wondering whether, as you say, you may make a couple of changes, maybe even tomorrow. Uh, would you bring, not just Carver Lewin. Uh, bringing up the next point, would you would you be at any point tempted to bring Dan Juma into the starting lineup? What do you think? The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Um, I thought, thought he looked quite bright when he came on against um, Fulham. I haven't been that impressed with him until then, really. He's, he's shown signs. Um, was it Forrest? Did he score against Forrest in the league early in the season? Was no, he scored against Sheffield United. Again, he was, yeah. he was probably someone who was a little bit... Unf- he was a little bit hard on my circumstance. Like Beto, he came... I can't remember if he came on or he was certainly better came on and scored against Doncaster in the Carabao Cup and obviously Dan Juma also scored so he was a big part in that turnaround albeit obviously against League 2 opposition and then a couple of days later they went to Sheffield United and Dan Juma got the goal for I think he got Everton second but then he had the international break and after that he had Dwight McNeil and, and Jack Harrison both coming back to fitness and I think it's clear that they're 
I don't think it's controversial to say they're more Deitch style Absolutely, players yeah. and in fairness have done pretty well since then so I think that um, obviously he's had his chances limited partly by circumstances outside his control but then also you know, again we've mentioned this a few times it's, been, it's felt like it's been quite telling when you see Lewis Dobbin coming on in front of him yeah. and it's hard to read too much into it's hard to read too much into the games where Dan Juma doesn't come on but changes don't get made out wide because you know, Deitch is a reluctant change maker but when you get to the point where you have the you know, the, the academy youngster coming on with a very limited track record in senior football and on games such as the Chelsea game where the game is still in the balance when he comes on at that point you're probably looking around and you're going that, that's interesting that it's Dobbin and not Dan Juma obviously there's been a lot of talk about Dan Juma over the past week and the suggestion that Villarreal might be trying to recall him one being a concern over the lack of minutes he's got and two um, I think they've got their own squad issues themselves I mean I asked Deitch about this yesterday uh, and Deitch said he no one has told him that there's any concern about Villarreal um, wanting him back um, and he said that if anybody said that Villarreal were concerned over his lack of minutes it's not something that would influence his selection which, or his words were when I asked him if I haven't asked him, has anyone told you there's concerns from Villarreal over, over Dan Juma's minutes? His response was no. And I said, if there was, would it affect your decision-making process when you come to selection? And his response was, have known me a little bit now for the last 10 months. What do you think my answer to that would be? And uh, it was clearly a no, which I think we could all probably uh, gather. So, I mean, I, I kind of... The Villarreal. So I think January will be a kind of a month where Everton reacts rather than be proactive, and there might be circumstances in which you know, someone like a Dan Juma you know, might be deemed. You know, if there's a conversation about letting him go, let him go because there might be a better opportunity somewhere else. But I mean, this isn't a squad that you can take. You can you can shed players on the off chance you might get someone else. Um, you know, and obviously they you know, they paid money to bring him over here for that that loan fee as well. So I'd be surprised that at this stage but again you know another squad play you thought he did okay when he came on against um, against Fulham would you be tempted to give him a chance all over the coming days potentially I don't see Deitch changing his wingers I think no. McNeil and Harrison are, are very key to mm-hmm. his style I don't know whether you could throw him in behind the striker because it, sort of, it looked like Garner James Garner started off there against Fulham it didn't quite look no. didn't quite work really no. he was Industrious, but never felt like he was supporting the striker or a chance might fall his right. way. And I don't know if Dan Juma could fill in there if Decore's not back. That mm-hmm. that potentially, you know, he I think he can play through the middle. Yeah, well, he's um, played that support striker yeah. role is, is a role that he's, he's played in the past and thought he might be quite effective at it this season. And obviously, the, the, the other opportunity is do something which I know Gav would be a fan of, and, and that's try and move Harrison more into that role. And your only real solution to that. I mean, there are other options as well if you were to go play players out of position like James Garner, but you could obviously then put Dan Gira on the wing to counter for Harrison moving infield. Um, I suppose you could, yeah. Um, I guess, Gav, if, if that's your idea. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Harrison, but playing behind, you know, when behind the front man. You're going to bed did. tonight. Obviously, this is Friday, the game's yeah. tomorrow. And, and, and 
your dream, isn't it? Is a high Spurs backline on the halfway line, a cute little Jack Harrison through ball to the onrushing yeah, better. Absolutely, that's it. That's it. Isn't that's it. it yeah, that's it. all my Christmases. You know, Christmas Day, two days early. <laughs> but yeah, I, at the same time, that's what I would have done on on. Uh, on Tuesday, by the way, I, I wouldn't really get the logic of a, of a game at home against Fulham where it's 90 minutes where you've got to win and playing three, as I say, three offensive players, then going to space, who've got a wealth of attack and talent and playing four offensive players. Yeah. I don't get that logic. Be, I think it make, makes a lot of sense. Um, the thing about Dan Jimmer as well, which is the other angle, is um, going back to Spurs might be a motivating tool for him. I'd be saying, you know, you had a tough time here last year. They were very nice to you, really. You know, go and show what the crowd, what you can do. Yeah, and well, that's... Richard has spent the whole time taking the mick out of him for that in Evan. Yeah, so. yeah. So um, that's not the worst, worst motivation tool, motivational tool to use. So it, it just needs a little bit of freshening up, even if it's just tomorrow. As I say, it's, it's a game where, you know, if you get something on great, but it's not, the, you know, I'm not going to die in a ditch if we have a narrow defeat. Um, and it's just, just, Give somebody a little bit of minutes, I think. Mm-hmm. Just get them. So as I say, we, lot of, I was having a look before, you know, I think we played 21 games this season. I think eight players have featured in 17 right. of those games. And that that's a lot of, mm. play, you know, that's a lot of players playing a lot of minutes. Yeah. And we're not even halfway through through the season when you see what other clubs are, can do. And uh, I just think it'd just be nice just to, just to freshen up a little bit tomorrow. But, but as I say, with it being... You know, a little bit of a free hit. We can probably afford to do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it's quite nice. I feel, you know, obviously we're having these conversations and being able to use the terms like free hit, whether or not we agree with this or not. Is I was thinking about this yesterday. Obviously, yesterday it was four years since Carlo Ancelotti was was appointed. And it feels like Everton are entering a Christmas in a positive frame of mind since. Well, for the first time since Ancelotti, when when he had Everton in the top four going on, on Christmas Day, and then obviously second when they went went on yeah. and won at Bramall Lane on Boxing Day, it's you know, when you think of all the turmoil at the club. I think January takeover, points deduction appeals, probably um, twenty twenty three finances being assessed as well. You know, there, there's a lot of potential for January to be another significant January for, for for Everton, but one thing that you feel is relatively stable is that is Dijk's position, and you've got a manager going into January in a, in a position of strength, which obviously Rafa Benitez and Frank Lampard neither of them did. Feels a little bit better going to Christmas like that. Obviously, we'd rather Everton be, be fourth and going into like they were under Ancelotti. Yeah. But I mean, like this is a, a bottom half side in technicality only, and everything seems to be moving in the right direction, well, doesn't it? Credit to Dijk for that, really. I mean, I think it will be. It's three of the four last, three of the last four Christmas periods. The manager's been under pressure, haven't he? Silver actually got sacked before Christmas, didn't he? And you know, yes. uh, Benitez and Lampard went shortly after, or you know, in in, in January. So the so. stable one was that second Christmas of Ancelotti, and that was false football, wasn't it? I do, yeah. Don't let, let a lot give a lot of credence to that season. To be honest with you, the COVID season. Uh, yeah, yeah, twenty twenty one. Uh, both in terms of every, all performances, not just Everton's. I don't, I don't take a lot from that. It's false football for me. Um, yeah, so and that's credit to Dice, though, isn't it? Mm, absolutely. And 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 we need that. And you know, we can possibly get away with not doing much in January because of the you know the baseline. I'm going back to tennis now, aren't I? The the, the, the base that. Dice has given us, I think, and and the, and the the coaching staff have given us a good base to work with. Uh, maybe not as much flexibility as what we would like, but in terms of keeping us in the in the top flight, Joe, which was at risk last January, the January before, 
even when Carlo came a little bit. Um, you know, I think that you should deserve credit for that. I guess it also helps Everton significantly going forward financially as well. One of the things we discussed, you know, at the start of the month was when you looked at that ten point deduction. You you've just said about how previous Christmases has been a little bit of a threat to Everton's top flight um, position. Well, it felt like that might be the case again going into this January, given the points deduction and yeah. when that hit where it left Everton, you know, they went into that Nottingham Forest game, bottom of the table. Remember. I mean, you think how recent that is and where, you know, now they're seven points clear to relegation zone. It's absolutely phenomenal. But one thing that Dyche has probably shown is, especially bear in mind that there's a bit of a freed, bit, there's a, a bit of a more relaxed January with the fixture list because of the, uh, the break. All of a sudden, Evan are probably in a situation where they don't need to, if there was a little bit of spare cash, they don't need to panic buy in January. They don't need to try and find a way to give themselves an extra cushion because obviously touch wood and, you know, there are still a few precarious areas within that squad where there's a lack of depth, but it doesn't look like... Everyone's certainly not in a position like they were last January where it's clear that they desperately need reinforcements, are they? And, no, and that no. helps everyone. No, I think the biggest tribute I think you can give to Daesh is sort of the, the momentum he generated over the last couple of months is I think he did the piece you know when the, the ban came in the ban the, 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 the 10 point uh, penalty came in about the likes of Burnley Sheffield United and Luton will be looking at their transfer plans because of Everton you know the, the impact of Everton's um, penalty and now it could be said the likes of West Ham and Brighton are looking at their transfer plans because of how well we've done yeah. In their, in their um, you know in, in the interim, so it, it's changed the focus entirely, and and, and that that's uh, I think that's been a brilliant job. I mean, I, I'd say Daisha's performance over the last couple of years, the couple of months, is over the years. What's in heaven has been as good, you know, over a period of you know six seven weeks has been as good mm. as what, what I've, I've seen from an Everton boss given the, the circumstances and what he's had to work with in terms of uh, getting the performances off the players and getting the results as you know as good as good as anybody I've seen in that time and um, you know and, and you know all, all credit credit to him I think mm-hmm. and um, long may continue and you know we've got we said about December but we've got we, January's not a lot of games is there so no, we, can, no. we can regroup in Even January fewer, unfortunately because yeah. on Tuesday yeah yeah um, would be nice to have a double header in the uh, the league yeah. cup. Or hey ho, hey ho. <laughs> um, we'll move on to score predictions. This won't quite be the end of the show. It traditionally, is pre match. We've got a few other things to, to talk about. Dan, I'll come to you first for score predictions. And I'll also, I feel like I kind of might have set you up a little bit earlier on when I was asking about Michael Keane without yep. having set you up the fact that Michalenka might be back. Well, yeah. If Michalenka, to, to give you an opportunity to address that, Fine. say yeah. Michalenka comes back into the squad. Are you four at the back with Brantwaite and Tarkovsky, or are you Michael at five at the back and Evan Keane in there um, as well? Four at the back. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, Michalenko, Brantwaite, Tarkovsky. Patterson. Patterson. Yeah, there we go. For sure. Don't say I'm not fair to you there. <laughs> no. I, just, Mich- I, felt, I felt like I'd say you Michalenko's fit, he yeah, plays. Absolutely. Um, if he's not, I think I'd stick with what we tried against for him. Yeah. Okay. And then score prediction for tomorrow? One all. One all. Yeah. Positive, take that. Yeah, I'll, I'll be optimistic. That's it. Well, I mean, we're going down to North. I mean, after North, what's it? Three wins in a row already in London. Yeah. They've done South London, West London, East London. It's only North left to conquer. Haven't lost outside of Merseyside since Aston Villa in August, the second game of the season, yeah. which is just phenomenal. I yeah. mean, just imagine if someone had said that to you after that 4 0 hammering that he wouldn't see Everton lose outside of Liverpool until potentially. Well, the earliest it could be is now December the 23rd. Absolutely stunning, that, isn't it? Yeah. Gav, prediction? 
I was going to say one all. Um, <laughs> we haven't. We could be our fifth successive away win tomorrow, couldn't it? In the in the, in the league, what is it? West Ham, Palace, Forest, and, and Burnley. We've only had five successive away wins in the league. Only once in the last ninety three years. So we're in that I mean, sort for, of for a statistician like you, guys. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, yeah. Really, Christmas might actually come early for oh, you. Yeah, be only two it's, days. There's a few other stats which I'll keep under me <laughs> under me half an hour. But yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I'd settle for that. I was going to say one all draw, and I'm 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 quite happy, more than happy, with the one all draw. Because um, they're a good team. I know they've got a few yeah. injuries, but you you underestimate Spurs. They, they've they picked up again after a few, um, you know. A few difficult results, but they got some good players, haven't they? Richarlison's started to score goals, hasn't mm-hmm. he? Sons, they've got no Harry Kane, who's just like you know, you must see, you must have seen us every year and gone, there's four goals for, well, <laughs> for the yeah, season for me. Uh, it was always two, wasn't it? Harry Kane, two, <laughs> uh, one all. Um, and uh, but I'd be, I'd be like to see maybe a couple of changes and those players coming in to coming into the team and that they do well yeah. to be fair that's what I'm looking for I'll go one all as well I don't want to oh, go okay. I don't want to go negative like uh, it's a stretch squad but I think the Spurs are stretched as well um, and I think I'd be doing Deitch an, uh, an injustice if that's to start looking at predicting defeats right now when like we just said he, he's gone four months without one away from yeah. away from this area so I mean you know you, you never know and I think a few that if a few changes are made, I, I don't think I think sign better might be a good opportunity. I think that high Spurs backline, yeah, standard Evan and the dice. If Evan would score first tomorrow, then I don't think they lose. Um, that isn't a particularly controversial point given Dice's track record yeah. uh, protecting defeats, but yeah, and also the 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 opposite of that of Spurs score first, there's no guarantee that they'll win. No. They'll win because they've dropped a hell of a lot of points, haven't they, from from leading positions this season at home against West Ham the other week they were winning one they weren't they so um, that's the ideal scenario we score first I suppose, from a psychological perspective yeah. it feels like quite a good match up I think for Deitch when you look at the Everton squad and the Spurs squad and or what it is at the moment without the likes of Madison and a few of those other players yeah 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 and uh, yeah you'd rather play them now than when they were absolutely bombing on in, mm. in August and September when they look, look really good so it's a uh, yeah it's a, it's a fixture of opportunity isn't it mm-hmm. Right, Dan, I'll come to you just before we do wrap up, just because obviously you're a news reporter, you're an Everton fan, um, but you, like myself, were, were up at the Anglican Cathedral on Monday for Bill Kenwright's memorial service. Yeah. Um, you spoke to a lot of people on the way in, you, you soaked up the atmosphere, and I just want to get your thoughts really on, on what that was like as occasion for those people who obviously you know weren't there but are listening and, and want to understand what the occasion was like. Yeah, it was it was really touching actually, in that we were positioned through the car park at the Anglican Cathedral as the VIPs came in through the side, and just so many ex Everton players stopped and wanted to speak about Mr. Kenwright on their way in. Um, spoke to Jaggy Elka, uh, Peter Reid, David Unsworth. David Unsworth definitely the most sort of he felt like he was the closest and and sort of really spoke from the heart about about Bill and his generosity and his love for Everton and. But I think it's sort of, there was a lot of mention of late night phone calls and text messages about their performance and whatever. But I think what shone through was that, as I think is so much has been written about how it was, a, Ken Wright was a man from a bygone era, really, of the, the boyhood blue, got to own his own club. And just that, how he never stopped being a fan. He was a businessman, yeah, but it was the excitement of, of Everton was just key to him. And Peter Reid told a really nice story about how when he moved from Everton to QPR, Bill to come out for dinner in London 
and just spent the whole evening telling Peter Reid how envious he was of him because he played for Everton. And Peter was like, "Well, you've done all right, you know." <laughs> <laughs> but he's like, "Well, yeah, but I didn't didn't play in midfield for Everton." So, yeah, it was it was somber, but also there was a lot of smiles on people's faces as they were recalling these times and sort of it was just quite remarkable to see players from sort of the late 70s through to Phil Jagielka and then the current squad all remembering this this man who'd been a, a sort of constant at Everton so yeah it was it was it was really sort of as, as a fan to hear these stories was mm. yeah it, was a, it yeah. felt like a special day yeah yeah, yeah. well I was, I was inside and Peter Reid gave a speech spoke very well and and also, I think you know, when you look at some of the other people that were in attendance, obviously it was both halves of the city were there. Yeah. You know, you, Margaret Aspel was there, obviously speaking about his support and relation to the Hillsborough campaign for, for, for truth and justice. You know, Sir Kenny Dalgleish was there as well. And obviously you also have the you know, Evan first team scores there. Deitch was there. Frank Lampard was there. Um, you know, I've, one of the things I've probably found most fascinating was that uh, Rufus Norris, the artistic director from the, the, theater, the National Theatre, Spoke about him, and that's, that's that's a world I don't know anything about. And I think probably a lot of our listeners probably, well, they may they may not know know a lot about. But hearing what he had done for the arts and the theatre, in particular, kind of amateur theatre and 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 grassroots theatre around the country was was really quite fascinating. And obviously, we know that you know, the the last eighteen months or so was a very everything has been a very difficult place for, yeah. for a while, but. You know, it was. I think it was probably quite fitting to have that opportunity just to to, to mark Bill and his achievements, and also his, um, you know, his impact and his influence. And there were some some very nice stories. It was a celebration, um, and one of the things that was, you know, as I wrote in the report the, the, for the following day's paper, one of the things I found um, was quite funny because it wasn't a somber occasion. Was that um, quite a lot of phones kept going off during the, 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 the during during the service and. They were almost exclusively the ringtone with Z cars, and it wasn't the same phone going off every time, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. Which, which, uh, and, and and as his as his life partner Jenny Seagrove said, when she was coming on and, and Z cars rang up for the for 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 the, for the next time, she said, "Oh, that's yeah, that, that's that's Bill, yeah, effectively toying with us." So, um, but yeah, no, it really was a, an interesting occasion. Obviously, you know, a huge number of VIPs there, and, and, and probably a, you know, it was a nice tribute, wasn't it? I think Dan. It was, yeah, and. Um- I think the stories after after Bill did die, like, when they the came out, I liked the most was the amount of time he'd spend telling Hollywood stars how good <laughs> Everton players were. Or, you know, people would say, oh, I was on the train with Bill and this actor and this actress. And instead of speaking about the production they're about to work on in mm-hmm. the West End, it's Kevin Campbell's form or will Rooney be fit for next week or whatever. And I think that shows that... I spoke to Steve Rotherham, actually, who said that... Um, Obviously, theatre and football were Bill's two mm. passions, but he never knew which way round they were. I think, I think the service confirmed it was Everton. Yeah, well, I think uh, obviously we had Burnley last Saturday, and in, in the away, and they were singing the 1985 song, weren't they? Going through all the players and that, and yeah. judging from some of the stories, I think probably you know Serene McKellen and Dame Judy Dench could probably name a good chunk of yeah. <laughs> that side, given the conversations that they'd had with, uh, with Mr. Kenwright, didn't they? So, right, well, we'll wrap it up there. Obviously, off to Spurs tomorrow. Hopefully, have another successful away day uh, with, with Everton. This is going to be our last podcast before Christmas Day so just before we do go off just want to say happy Christmas to everyone hope you have a wonderful festive season we will be here with you throughout the festive period after Christmas obviously there's a lot of games so we're going to be in work and still providing podcasts but until then hope you have a lovely Christmas and thanks for listening you've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo